0: Well, good morning, everyone. Good to see you. Good to see you. Thank you for being here. Thank you for honoring God, honoring His family. It is just something for me that encourages me, that just makes me feel good when I get to see you and, and, uh, and wave and smile and just share in worship together. And uh, I just, I love our worship. I love our worship team. I really love that last song. You can tell Tyler also loves that last song, right? He just loves getting caught up in worship, and I love that about our worship leaders. So, if you haven't told your worship leader how much you love him or the worship team how much you love them uh, lately, then do it today. Find a way just say, yeah, you can do that. Thank you, Scott. Even when he loses his voice, you know, it's a, it's a good thing. He just pours his whole heart out. So, thank you for being with us. Open up your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4. That's where we're going to be all day today. Now, we've been tracking through 1 Peter And as Peter's writing this, I'll just tell you now, if you were to go and study it online or open up all the books and dig into 1 Peter, there are a lot of stuff that, you know, people like me love to do to just dig in as a pastor, as a student, to figure out where Paul came up with all of his stuff, who he was writing to, why he was writing to them. And there are a lot of scholars who believe that 1 Peter was not the kind of a letter that was written where Peter just sat down and, you know, got pen and paper, which is easy for us to say. He didn't really have pen and paper like we have, you know, then, and, and wrote out all of First Peter at one time. Most scholars believe, and I'm one of them, that he sat and wrote some stuff, walked away, came back, wrote more, walked away, came back, wrote more, and that what you have that we call First Peter is a collection of different things that Peter wrote about and to these people uh, at this time who were suffering under Nero. And so as Nero was emperor of Rome and as Rome had been burning and people started turning against Nero, he had to blame somebody. And so he blamed the Christians so that he could get all the political clout and have permission to do what he wanted to do which was secure his power and eliminate any threat. It seems like we haven't grown very much, you know, in 2,000 years. But the the Christians were the ones suffering the most. And as you know, in our world today, all over our world, Christians are suffering and dying in the name of Jesus. And so this book becomes particularly relevant, I believe, to us today. Now, just because 2020 has been just a unique year, if when I pause and just and sit back and think about you and think about our our church body, our family, our community as a whole, uh, I know I, I know a lot of families that are struggling, and maybe this is rhetorical, but do you do you know a, a lot of families that are struggling and? And hurting, uh, suffering, uh, wondering what's going to happen, insecure, don't know about their job, uh, don't know about their future finances, don't know about their homes, and and of course hurricane on top of COVID and with everything. And so, it's it's like we can look around and we see that there are a lot of people who are questioning and wondering and. Unsta- and, uh, just, and so it, it really has a lot of my attention. And so when we talk about First Peter, this is the exact, it's a lot, it's very similar to what Peter was talking about in chapter 3 and chapter 4. And So last week we said, whenever you feel like you're not on solid footing, whenever you feel like the world around you is caving in, and when everything you're hearing on the news and on the radio and out in the world is, it's this horrible, this is horrible, this is horrible, where people begin to celebrate other people's demise. And everybody feels justified. It's like, this is, this is not a good situation. The first thing he said last week, this is just last week, don't turn against each other. Don't turn against each other. And you really don't have permission or feel justified to have ungodly behavior because you're not getting your way. And then he broke it down and talked to wives and women, husbands and men. He talked to everyone. Then he talked about our relationship with God. Stop doing these things and start hungering for more of God, more of worship, more of sharing the hope that is inside you. And then in this chapter, he gets a, a little bit more serious about it. He begins to talk a little bit more about, okay, if you really want to get down to it, if you really want to know how I feel about suffering and that the whole environment and everything going on, this is really an indicator of where you are spiritually. And so our opening question is this. How can you tell if someone is a committed Christian? How can you, how can you tell? Because in in just the large, the, the 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 larger religious world that we live in, there are all types of religions who demonstrate all different kinds of ways that people prove that they're religious, that they're committed, that they're spiritual, that they're holy. With some people, it's. It shows itself, or in some religions, it shows itself outwardly where uh, the way that they dress. Certain people wear certain hats, you know, uh, or, or there are certain religions where they grow long beards or where they wear uh, white collars or where they cover from, the, the, the women cover completely their whole body, their head covering a veil some uh, wear white shirts and ties and ride bicycles right it's you look around and you begin to think okay is that is that a committed Christian is or is that a committed person is that a real spiritual person or religious person because Jesus never gave any outward appearance like God doesn't even look at he doesn't look at how you dress or how you think other people what he looks at is what's going on on the inside and so that's and here I come in jeans and a untucked shirt and and there was a time and maybe even some of you grew up in a church where if somebody would have walked into that church building dressed like this they somebody would have said something that's the best you got you're going to come into here looking like that Mm -mm. you go you go get you a suit or what you know what i'm talking about where we, we looked on the outward appearance more than what's going on on somebody's heart. Now, we at First City decided long ago, this was actually done, in fact, my very first Sunday here, I wore a suit. Who was here when I came that very first Sunday? Laura, you raised your hand so fast. Do you remember this? <laughs> I did. I, I had a suit on, and I, was the, I think I was the only one. There might have been one other person who had on a coat or something, and I'm looking around, and I'm like, "Woo!" and I'm like, so y'all don't wear a suit, no one told me I didn't have to wear a suit, and I was so happy, and so when I was talking, in fact, Alan, I was staying at your house, and I'm like, tell me, you know, about this, tell me about First City Church, and, and you're like, we want to be the most welcoming place where anybody in any condition can walk in and feel at home and i thought my goodness i want to be part of something like that right where you don't you it's not about but how do you know if someone's a committed christian well you know jesus was asked this question in several ways often and he really gave two big answers and he repeated them in different ways over and over but here's one by this shall all men know that you're my disciples if you finish that sentence love one another just love one another you want to be a committed they'll know you you're a disciple you belong to me if you just love one another well unconditionally and he talked more about in, in different ways that we have recorded in different books luke is a really good book if you want to really start hammering in on that but man love god with all your heart and love him more than anything else and love each other more than you love yourself and put their needs ahead of your own and just love one another. And the second thing he said is, is if you're obedient to my commands. If you obey, I obey what the Father has told me. And if you obey the Father, and if you do as I do, then people will know you belong to me. So he talked about obedience. Listening to his word more than anything else. Now Peter, by the time he's writing in, in this letter... Has had a couple of decades of watching people come and go. He's had some time to see people who first came into the church and and, and started what was called the way. You know, these new believers and, of, and, and believing that Jesus was the Messiah, and he watched a bunch of them leave. And he watched some of them try to change it. There, in those early years, there was a big battle between just falling completely into the grace of God versus continuing to have to obey all of the commands of the old law. And so they had these, these huge debates. Jesus didn't say he came to abolish. He said he came to fulfill. We are grafted in. It's not one or the other. It's not... It somehow the two have to blend well how do you do that and they had all these big battles and some people pulled toward you what you have to do and the more the, the better you do the more you're going to you know solidify that you're a committed Christian and others were like no 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 it's it's not it's more about who you are and what's in your heart and being you know really obedient to God but that comes out of the fact that you're saved you don't do to earn You've been given, and so you do. And so Peter comes along, and he's like, well, I'll give you a couple of indicators. If you want to know today how I see following up on, and he's going to still talk about love and obedience. He's going to say, and I'm going to give you three or four that, that Peter said. Here's the first one. How can you tell if someone's a committed Christian? They are willing to suffer to honor God. And he's like, you know, we, he's like, we talk a lot about suffering. And a lot of people begin to question God when they're going through suffering. And some people easily turn their back on God whenever they suffer. And he's about to tell you all they're really doing is publicly admitting they're not sold out to God. Now, I, last week, I warned you. I told you last week... He's going to talk about the nice side of suffering, hold on to each other, hold on to God, continue to worship, and, and God's going to, re- he'll, he'll save you in the end. And I said, next week he's going to tell you you need to grow up. And so this is the beginning. And so what Peter is beginning to say here is, when it comes to suffering, you want to know if you're a committed Christian? Then here's an indicator. You're willing to suffer to honor God. Look at the scripture. This is verse one. So then, since Christ suffered physical pain... You must arm yourself with the same attitude he had and be ready to suffer too. Just expect it. Same attitude and just, he was ready to suffer. He included it as part of the package. And then he said, for if you have suffered physically for Christ, you have finished with sin. Now remember, he's watching a bunch of people who are, Christians are, you know, under attack And they're starting to scatter, and people are taking all different positions. Some are wanting to hide their Christianity so that they could save their life. Oh, no, 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 I'm not a Christian. You know, fingers crossed behind my back. You know, no, 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 I don't, who's Jesus? Save their life, and then they're trying to be these secret Christians. You say, no, no, all you're telling me is one thing, you are not finished with sin. You care more about yourself than you do the things of God. You are not trusting God. And so he's like, "Man, do you want to know if you're a committed Christian?" You know, just and, and, and here's an indicator: if, if you suffer physically for doing what is right, I'm not turning my back on God. I don't care. It, well, I trust Him with whatever happens to me. And I'm not turning my back on God no matter what. Here's what I know about you. You, in your heart, are finished with sin. And he continues. You won't spend the rest of your lives chasing your own desires, but you will be anxious to do the will of God. And so, it, all he's saying is it's an indicator. And, and, and this is just this is Peter. Right? He's like... So as an apostle, as a pastor, as somebody looking over you, Peter is saying, I'm going to come and I'm going to talk to you. And as I'm talking to you, and I know you're hurting, and I know you're suffering. And if I see that you're turning your back on God, this is what I know about you. You're not willing to spend the rest of your life chasing God. You're wanting to just have, have your own way. And so he's calling them to more. Now pause this is rhetorical what about you when when suffering comes your way when someone says no that's not you don't talk like that you don't act like that you don't or if you have to suffer for it or, or if something comes up and, that you didn't expect how do you respond you know so i'm i'm just, I'm just saying we don't know what's going to happen in our world You are not guaranteed freedom as a Christian in the nation you live in to worship God as you please. It's a right and a privilege, and we've enjoyed it all our life, but you have no promise that it will continue, and if it doesn't, what will you do? So Peter's like, are you in when it comes to giving your whole heart to God? Even if you have to suffer for it. He gives another one. If you've had enough in the past of evil things that godless people enjoy, their immorality, their lust, their feasting, their drunkenness, and wild parties, and their terrible worship of idols, are you you at the point to where you're like, you know what? I have had enough of that way of life and so now I want to live differently in the name of Jesus okay the second point how can you tell if someone's committed to Christian they give up friendships to honor God now this one I really struggled with when I was a teenager and in college you know my parents did any of you have parents who said I don't think you should hang out with name the person because they're just not a good influence on you any of you just any of you ever had that happen to you boy i had it all the time but then again i deserved it because the people i chose to hang out with were people who were going to help me do what was not right and i went to a christian school and one of the you know and so there ha- you know a lot of the people wanted to live right and there was a bunch of us that didn't and so we always had these little conversations and and for some reason now this is in the 70s but our big question was are you cool are you cool right and then you would start off with cursing and if they were okay with that then you go into something a little deeper and if they were okay with that then you'd finally get to your big stuff and then you'd threaten them you tell anybody right and and I can you know I need to get away. I need to get don't stop, you know, because they're not good. And I would I spent my energy defending what was wrong. I knew I should give it up, but I wasn't willing to. And now Paul is like, well, what are you willing to give up to honor God? Of course, your former friends are surprised when you no longer. I love how this is just worded. Now, this is out of the New Living Translation. Of course your former friends are surprised when you no longer plunge into the flood of wild and destructive things they do. So they slander you. Has that ever happened to you? Do people ever turn their back on you? Oh, my goodness. That, I, I believe when it was me and I made a decision, okay, I think I want to go in the right direction. And that first happened to me. I, I, in fact, I, I thought, well, you know what? They're not going to turn their backs on me. They're my friends. Oh, no. Oh, no. Because they, everybody's afraid of getting exposed. And if they think that you're going to expose them, they're going to slander you too. And he's like, even if you have to suffer, what, who do you hang out with? What do you do? What is it that you spend your time defending? And so all Peter is saying is, there may be some people that we got to get rid of in our life because they're leading you down a path that's not the right path. You hang out with them, you talk with them, you're their friends, you try to impress them, but it's not God honoring. And he's like, in our world, the first thing I'm asking you is, are you willing to honor God even if you have to suffer for it? And you're like, yes, are you sure? Yeah. Well, then I think you could possibly... Need to choose a different set of people to hang around. Because what you're doing on the weekends is not God honoring. Or the way you talk or act is not God honoring. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> I don't mind doing a little bit of suffering, but you didn't have to. You, you, I didn't sign up for having to get a whole new set of friends. Okay. And, and, it, and I know what well, Peter's just saying what is it? That you're not willing to give up if you really want to honor God. A little bit of suffering and you turn your back. Having to get a new set of friends. Wanting to live with immorality. But remember, and I love this about Peter. But remember, they will have to face God who stands ready to judge everyone, both the living and the dead. Now, now let me caution you here because he's not saying, but remember... They're going to face God, and more likely, they're going to go to hell. And everybody's like, yay. That's not what he's saying. But remember, they're going to have to face God. This isn't good news. So what he said, let me back up. Your former friends are surprised when you no longer run after all the destructive things they're doing. And so they slander you. But remember, they still need to go to heaven. That's how I want you to read that. They still need to go to heaven. So you you might not hang out with them and do the things they they used to do. But there still needs to be a change, even for them. And then he gives you an example. That's why the good news was preached to those who are now dead. So although they were destined to die like all people, they now live forever with God in the Spirit. And this is a reference to Jesus you know, going and speaking to those who were dead but who wanted to live alive and presenting the grace, you know, it's just, there's a lot to this, go study it. But this is what he's saying. God does not want anyone to go to hell. Now, if you haven't heard me say that in a long time, there is a hell, it is real, and people go there. And God doesn't want anybody to go there. So he's not saying, you need to turn your back on your friends, and if they're lost, who cares? At least you'll be saved. It's not what he's saying. He's saying, you need to live differently, and then you need to remember they do too. So just because you give up the behavior doesn't mean you want to really give up the influence. And so it was really kind of funny this past week. When I was in college, they called me the fly. So I was <laughs> told, was telling me about this this morning. And as I was on a basketball team, and I was the shortest one. I know that's hard for you to believe. And, uh, and so there was a guy, he was 6'10", 6'11", and uh, his name was Lee Goza. And so he nicknamed me the fly because I came up to about his waist. And, but I was faster than he was, so I could, and he'd go, the fly, and it stuck. And so while they had the vice presidential debate last, uh, this past week, and Mike Pence had a visitor to land on his hair, people at my old college said, Rick Hazel at the vice presidential debate. <laughs> Didn't they, Tobin? I'm like, man, I'm almost 60 years old, and I still cannot outlive a reputation that I wish would just die, Right? I can remember oh my, I'm gonna tell you too much information. I I made extra money selling things that were illegal. And it didn't matter what I had to do to do that. And so one night I borrowed another guy's car dressed in different clothes, put on a hat, disguised myself as best I could, went out, made a deal came back on this Christian campus and there were a couple of hundred people waiting on me. Led by my wife, Miss Suzanne Hazlip, who at the time was my girlfriend. And she asked me, did you go do this? And I'm not really all together. And I'm like, what? And so she asked me again. And I, and all these eyes are watching me. And I had to make a decision. And so I decided to tell the truth. And I said, yes, I went and sold those drugs. And she slapped me so hard (laughs) and said, I don't want anything to do with you. And everybody cheered. The fly going down. All my friends, not that I had a lot of them, walked away from me. And the next two weeks of my life were embarrassingly lonely. It was the first time I thought about quitting, giving up everything. Gave up my basketball scholarship, gave up school. Whew, man. That was a hard time. And I can remember sitting in what was going to soon be my ex-dorm room by myself and I got this and the door opened up and it was three of my friends including David Josie who's the one who wrote Rick Hazel at the vice presidential debate and he walked in and these three guys walked in and they sat down and they said we do not know what's going to happen to us but we cannot keep going down the same path we're going down, and we're all going to die. And if you can do it, we can do it. And we're going to do this with you. And four of us dramatically changed our life in that dorm room on that day. And that's, that's what I see every time you know, I read something like this. You have to make a decision on who you're going to be and how you're going to live and and what you're willing to give up in order to be God-honoring. And it might be a lot, but in the end, uh, you can trust God. That's why the good news was preached. Here's another one. How can you tell if someone's a committed Christian? They use their spiritual gifts to honor God. They stop doing one thing and they start doing something different. God has given each of you a gift from His great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. He's like, how has God gifted you? So you spent your life doing all the wrong things, chasing all the wrong decisions, doing all, and now you're going to be different, and you're willing even if you have to suffer for it. He's like, okay, if, if you can do that hard work, then all of a sudden, God's going to begin to open up to you these gifts that he has given you. Your eyes are going to see you've had them the whole time and start using them, whatever it is. To glorify God. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you do will bring glory and honor to God through Jesus Christ. All glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. This is like Peter's like, man, I used to really care what other people think. And there was this time when this little girl came up to me and she said, I know who you are. You're that follower of Jesus. And I said, no, I'm not and I began to curse and swear that I never knew him and then I heard this rooster and I wanted to quit everything but God rescued me and my life is now very different and I got back more than what I thought I gave up oh I'll And it's almost like he's all caught up in it. And all he wants to do is say, thank you, God, for rescuing me. Don't you want some of that? What's the payoff for the committed Christian? If you were to do it, I mean, if you were to really say, I've had enough of sin. I've had enough of that lifestyle. I've had enough of pretending. I've had enough of compromising. I've had enough of anything that that I've been holding on to for whatever reason. Because I've had a hard time selling for God. I'm, I'm done with it. What's the payoff for you? He continues in his writing. He says, well, the end of the world is coming soon. And he's not trying to be morbid. All he's really trying to say is, let me just remind you, life is short. It's shorter than you think. Eternity is a long time. And 60 years, 80 years to live in this world is nothing compared to eternity. And it's coming to an end soon so be earnest and disciplined in your prayers most of all continue to show deep love for each other for love covers a multitude of sins cheerfully share your home with those who need a meal or a place to stay I love that most important show deep love for each other the more you love each other the more God will cover your sin isn't that good news that's, that's great news Just love each other well. Love each other unconditionally. Cover each other in love, and God will cover your sin with his. And if somebody needs a place to stay, give them a place to stay. If they need a meal, give them a meal. Demonstrate your love. It's no shame suffering for being a Christian. Praise God for the privilege of being called by his name. Amen? Amen. And that's good news. It's good news that your sins are going to be covered the more you Commit yourself to God. But is that the payoff? What's the payoff? For being a committed Christian. I love the way he ends this section of scripture. This is what he says. So if you are suffering in a manner that pleases God. Keep on doing what is right. And trust your lives to the God who created you. For. He will never fail you. Now that's an unbelievable promise. I'm just, I just want you to pause on that. Because that is an unbelievable promise. If you go down this, this is what God is saying to you. You go down this journey. You give up everything in the name of Jesus. You trust him with all of your heart. And you decide, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do whatever it takes to please God. He will never fail you. Will you just say that with me? He will. Say it again like you mean it. He will. Right? I mean, just look at your neighbor and say it to your neighbor. He will, look at him. Now make it personal. God will. He'll never fail me. God will never fail you. That's, That's unbelievable news. He will never fail you. Your love never fades. Sing that with Tyler. Your love never fades. Do it again. Your love never fades. It stays the same through the ages. Can we just sing it You stay the same through the ages. Well, your love never changes. There may, may be pain in the night, but joy comes, comes in the morning. And when the ocean comes. And when